0: Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are looking at Gary Chapman's book, The Four Seasons of Marriage. As we closed last week's broadcast, we were looking at the seventh strategy to enhance the seasons of your marriage. That strategy is... Implement the Power of Positive Influence Choosing to implement the power of positive influence is good for your own mental health in addition to the positive impact it will have on your spouse. Well, where do we begin? Perhaps you can identify with the woman who said to Gary, Our marriage has been so dysfunctional for so long, I don't know where to start. Well, the first step in any positive change is to recognize and acknowledge that you have a choice. You don't have to be controlled by your emotions or your spouse's emotions. You don't have to respond in the same old way to the same old provocations. You can choose a different response. Even if the biggest obstacle in your marriage is your own past behavior and attitudes, you don't have to stay stuck there. Just because you've made your bed doesn't mean you have to lie in it. You can choose to get up and make a positive investment in your marriage. You may feel hurt, disappointed, frustrated, or even angry in your marriage, but these emotions need not control your behavior. Emotions are to be acknowledged and processed, but they are not to be the controlling factor in our lives. If we allow angry feelings to control our behavior, we may lash out with critical, condemning words or physical abuse. On the other hand, we may say to ourselves, I feel angry, I feel hurt, disappointed, and frustrated, but I want to have a positive influence on my spouse, and I refuse to be controlled by these emotions. Positive change begins with positive choices. Once you have decided to implement the power of positive influence in your marriage, you are ready to begin utilizing the six other strategies we have discussed in prior broadcasts. Gary says that after 30 years of counseling married couples, he knows of no better approach. Well, let's assume for a moment the worst-case scenario. Your spouse is unwilling to go for counseling, is unwilling to even talk about your marriage, and appears to be totally closed to the idea of improving your marriage. Perhaps he or she is even critical of your efforts. If this is true, you may be feeling all the emotions of winter and fall. Don't deny these feelings. Admit your feelings, but do not be controlled by them. Gary says that the decision to implement the power of positive influence may be the most significant decision you have ever made in your marriage. Remember, the reality is that every marriage is still in process. No one has the perfect marriage because there are no perfect people. The good news is that you can have a better marriage than you do now. The seven strategies we have been covering will move your marriage in the right direction. Let me briefly recap the seven strategies. Strategy 1 challenges you to deal with past failures. Failure alone will not destroy a marriage, but unconfessed and unforgiven failure will. Strategy 2 reminds you that attitude often makes the difference between winter, spring, summer, or fall. A negative critical attitude pushes you toward the coldness of winter. Whereas a positive attitude, which looks for the best in your spouse and affirms it, leads to the warmth of spring and summer. Strategy 3 encourages you to discover and speak your spouse's primary love language. You know, everyone has a deep emotional need to feel loved. But when you meet that need for your spouse, you create a climate in which the crocuses can begin to bloom in your marriage. Strategy 4 gives you the tools to develop the art of empathetic listening. When your spouse is talking, The most powerful thing you can do is listen. Only as you listen empathetically will you come to understand your spouse's thoughts, feelings, and desires. Understanding leads to a blossoming of intimacy. Strategy 5 helps you discover the joy of helping your spouse succeed. Few accomplishments in life are more satisfying or have greater results than helping your spouse Accomplish the purposes for which God designed him or her. Implement this strategy and share the rewards of true success. Strategy six teaches you how to maximize your differences. God made husbands and wives different for a purpose, a positive purpose. When you learn how to turn your differences into assets, you and your spouse will both be winners. And Strategy 7 shows you how to implement the power of positive influence. Although you cannot control your spouse's behavior, you can choose to exert a positive influence. Well, I trust that you have found this Four Seasons of Marriage an interesting and challenging study. I want to shift gears now and look for a few sessions at a topic that I don't think gets enough attention. And that topic is Covenant Marriage. What is a covenant marriage? How does it differ from a contract marriage? Although the concept of covenant is seen throughout the Bible, we do not often use the word covenant in our conversation. And I really think that most of us have little understanding of the word. When we think of marriage, we usually do so in terms of a contract rather than a covenant. And in reality, the two words are quite different. Let's first look at contract marriages. You know, we live in a contract-oriented society. We understand contracts and often hear people say, get it in writing, meaning, get a legal contract signed. With a contract, you can be more certain that the person or company will live up to their claims. In many ways, you could say that contracts are for people who don't trust each other. Well, many Christian couples have brought this contract mentality into their marriages. They busy themselves with making contracts and trying to force each other into living up to them. And unfortunately, this kind of marriage stimulates resentment, hurt, and anger, and eventually leads some couples to divorce. Let's explore this contract mentality. Well, basically, a contract is an agreement between two or more persons specifying that one will do something if the other will do something. For example, the bank agrees to allow me to drive a car if I will make the monthly payments. If I break my part of the contract, the bank has the legal right to repossess my car. Our society is built upon the concept of contracts. We make rental contracts, sales contracts, and service contracts regularly. Some of our contracts are legally binding. Others are morally binding. You know, if my wife and I agree that I will wash the dishes if she will cook the meal, we have made an informal contract. No court of law will ever hold us to that contract, but as persons of integrity, we each feel a sense of moral responsibility to keep up our end of the bargain. Any informal contract is only as good as the character of the persons who make it. Many relationships have been fractured or broken because someone failed to keep an agreement. If it is a legal contract, then one of the parties may sue the other in an effort to gain a fair settlement. In an informal, non-legal contract, the broken contract becomes a source of argument, accusation, and sometimes verbal or physical abuse by which we try to motivate the other person to keep the agreement he or she made. Legally, marriage is a contract with certain rights and responsibilities. But we must distinguish between legal marriage and covenant marriage. In a legal marriage, if one partner does not live up to the contract, then legal actions force them to do so or to end the marriage with an equitable settlement. A society could not exist without laws regulating marriage relationships. So, in this sense, marriage is a contract. For a Christian, however, marriage is more than this. It is a covenant. Now, I'm not saying contracts are unimportant. They are important. Most married couples have made numerous ones with each other through the years. If you will get the children to bed, I will clean up the kitchen. If you will wash the windows on the outside, I will wash them on the inside. If you will vacuum and dust, I will mow the grass and trim the shrubs. There's nothing wrong with making such contracts. In fact, such agreements are a part of any couple's life. These agreements help us get things done by using our different abilities and interests to our mutual benefit. The problem arises when we come to view our marriage only as a contract or a series of contracts. When this happens, we have become totally secular in our thinking and have abandoned the biblical view of marriage. The Bible views marriage ultimately as a covenant, although contracts may be an important part of carrying out our covenant. Well, let's look at five general characteristics of contracts. Number one. Contracts are most often made for a limited time period. When we decide to lease a car, we sign a contract for a set number of years. If we rent an apartment, typically the rental contract is for a minimum of six months or one year. When we purchase a house, we sign a loan contract for 15 to 30 years. Almost all legal contracts are made for a specified period of time. If it is broken by either party, there is a penalty to be paid. Contracts are usually made with the idea that the arrangement will be mutually beneficial for the parties involved. Well, our time is gone for today. We'll continue this next week. I invite you to join me on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page for some live teaching on relationships. If you're not a Facebook user or if the time is inconvenient, you can go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net, click on the MUM Live tab, and view the recorded teaching. Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To you know more about the church go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org Thanks for listening and be blessed